You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joined in God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. And so one of the things that I wanted to do this morning is I wanted to give you something that I think is better than a sermon. And I wanted you to know the story of someone who's a part of our church. And I've asked Ray Colesworthy, uh, Ray, if you'll just take a seat with me, brother. I, um, I've asked Ray to share a story with us. Now, Ray is one of our shepherd and elders here. Um, he's been here as a shepherd and elder for about four years. And he and his wife, Jean, have been a part of our fellowship now for about um, seven years. And, okay, what now? You've got to have a degree to work this thing, man. What, what is... Well, no, it's actually off. Hold on. Pray, pray amongst yourselves. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah. I just had to press one of only two buttons. Um, and I wanted, I, wanted Ray to, uh, I wanted Ray to be able to share a story with us a little bit this morning. Can I see Ray? Okay, good. And for you to hear how God has moved in his life and in Gene's life. We do this, like I said, we've done this about four times together. And I don't know, I think sometimes a sermon is best when it's seen and not just heard. And in, and in Ray's story, um, you get to see and hear a sermon. And uh, so I want to invite you to, to just enter into what God has been doing in his life. Um, God's kingdom has broken into Ray and Gene's life in a way that... Um, inspires me, convicts me, challenges me, makes me want to be a better man, a better father, a better husband, a better Christ follower, um, and more appreciative of the grace of God and more appreciative of the steady faithfulness of God. And so, Ray, why don't we go ahead and, and, and do this? Why don't, um, why don't you start? Tell us, uh, tell us how you and Gene met and when you met. Gene and I met in uh, 1954 on a blind date uh, and I knew her aunt, and it's through her aunt that I met Jean. On a blind date in 1954? On a blind date in 1954. <laughs> I didn't know they did blind dates I back in 1954. I didn't know which one of us was blind. Clearly she was the blind one. Yeah. <laughs> Be respectful to your elders as I am setting an example for us all. <laughs> so you guys met in 1954 on a blind date. When were you married? In 1954. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. You didn't waste any time, brother. No. Hey, no. You, you get them and you catch them and you keep them. <laughs> that's, what, that's what they teach us. When did, you and, when did you and Gene come to a place of shared faith, of deeper faith? Why don't you tell us about your sort of journey of faith together as husband and wife? Well, Gene and I had the youth group at our, our church, the Young People's Christian Endeavor, and we were on a, a, a summer camping trip, uh, which was a revival meeting at our local uh, campground. And at the end of the week's uh, activities, they had a, a calling uh, to the altar. And uh, the young people said, come on, we're all gone. So we all went up to the uh, calling and gave our life to Jesus Christ that day. And uh, it was uh, none of us were, were really thinking about that until the time actually came. And it was very spontaneous and very gratifying. And that began a journey of serving God's people for you and Gene. I mean, you guys really dove in to serving. Tell, tell us about how you served God together as husband and wife in the kingdom. 
over the course of years? I mean, we know how you serve us here as a shepherd and elder, but how, what has your journey been like in terms of your service to God? Well, we got very heavily involved in the Sunday school programs, and uh, I ended up being the Sunday school superintendent, uh, and Gene had taught a class, and, and uh, we, we got a lot, a lot of satisfaction out of the Sunday school teaching and enjoyed that very much. And then you were called actually to serve as an elder in another church long before you came here, right? Yeah, yeah I, I was an elder in that church for many years. And uh, the interesting thing about it is <clears throat> my, my responsibility was the stewardship of watching over the, the funds and providing a parsonage for the minister to leave and the repair of the church. And, and, and many of you may not know, but our shepherds, where our elders uh, shepherd here is we, we take the church in different ministry areas, and each shepherd oversees a very specific ministry area and sort of gives their lives away to that ministry area. Like for Clifton Bell, it's, it's family ministry, which is why he's never in second service because he's always serving downstairs. For Danny, it's our small groups ministry, our life connections groups. For John, it's our um, worship and spiritual formation ministry where he really thinks through what happens as a larger group. For Ray, Ray's uh, area of oversight and shepherding is our stewardship ministry, and it's more than just our budget, um, but... Ray wrestles with and prays for and asks God the question, are we raising up a more faithful people, faithful with our things in general? And of course, yes, Ray likes to tell um, the staff no when we want to buy new things, um, and he does that very well. But, but I must say, I must say, um, when, Ray, when Ray says no, what I love about Ray, and John, and I mentioned it, John likes to buy stuff too, okay? He likes new TVs and, and things and, and all this, all right? So... Um, but, but when, Ray, when Ray says no, what I love about Ray is Ray's response is, let's pray about this, and if the Lord wants us to do this, whether we have the money or not, he'll make it happen. We'll be faithful. And so Ray has this broad vision of the kingdom of God that says, hey, God has uh, cattle on a land of a thousand hills that can make this happen. I mean, no one probably believes this debt can be paid more strongly than Ray. Um, and so Ray serves us, and, and so it's interesting that you've always... You've always served, I guess, as an elder, as a shepherd over the stewardship of, of a particular church, and now you, you serve us. And I know we'll, we'll talk about kind of how that came to fruition here, because I think that's a pretty significant story of God's grace. But, Ray, why don't we fast forward a little bit. Um, as you and Jean grew in your faith with one another and your relationships with the Lord and in your service to the church, um, tell us about one of the most difficult challenges you two faced together. As, as husband and wife? Well, the most difficult challenge that, uh, that we had was when our daughter died. And uh, she was 40 years old, and uh, uh, Jean never really got over it and was having great difficulty both physically and mentally, mentally. So the Lord led me to retire, and that's in 1996. I retired and I got with Jean and helped her through her grief and helped me through my grief, and we together we got through it okay. Uh, she would have never gotten through it had I not retired because I would go home at night and she would be in a fetal position in the sofa and in her pajamas and hadn't eaten, and uh, it was not a good situation. So anyhow, I retired, and we, we got through that uh, together. And when you guys were going through that, that tragedy, did you, ever, did you ever question God? Well, Jean did. She was very angry at God, and it took a, really took a year or two for her to get 
get back and uh, and understand that God wasn't uh, God wasn't really the enemy. He was there to help, and it took her a while because she was very very upset at God. Uh, but uh, through prayer and uh, through things that uh, that God brought to us, we got through it, and uh, we got back on stream, and uh, and uh, she she got through the anger part. Yeah, you know. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about this as we were talking about the story and even as we shared it for service. This happened in 1996 when Robin died, and it was an unexpected death. It wasn't something that was prolonged or something expected. Yeah, she had Crohn's disease, and she would have to go back to the hospital every uh, four to six months to get all the liquids balanced and all the liquids put back in her body. And the last time that she went back in, uh, she had a seizure and passed away momentarily, and and uh, so it wasn't. Uh, it was the effects of the Crohn's disease that, that actually killed her. And you know, I was I was thinking about this, Ray, and I and church. I shared this with first service. You know, I, I learned of Ray and Jean's story when I when I first came here because I've just I've had the joy of spending a good bit of time with Ray, and he's he's my brother, but he's my friend, um, and not just my shepherd. He's He's special to me, and so is Gene, um, as I know they are to many of you. And, you know, I remember when he would tell me this story, you know, Mother's Day would come around every year. And I remember wondering, you know, do I say Happy Mother's Day to Gene? And how will she take that? How do I say Happy Mother's Day to Gene? And it just reminded me that church, you know, we sit in this room, and you don't know, we don't know each other's stories. You know, and that's why we need to do this, and we need to be in community together, and we need to be together to learn one another's stories, because it becomes meaningful, you know, when, when our sweet sister there, whose, you know, daughter passed in 1996, I mean, what was it, for 10 years, Jean really wrestled with Mother's Day, um, and it wasn't something you guys really celebrated. No, we didn't celebrate Mother's Day at all. And yet the church every year probably did something for Mother's Day that made it very difficult and, and challenging, and not really knowing the story, and... And that's why I say sometimes in these special days that our American culture wants to make special, that we just let into the church, um, it becomes complicated because we don't know each other's stories. And, and so when you look around here, it'd be easy to look at Ray and think, well, he's a well-put-together you know, gentleman, and, and Jean is a well-put-together woman, and he was an engineer, and they lived in Hawaii for a minute. I mean, who doesn't want to live in Hawaii uh, for a little bit? Yeah. And you would think, man, they, their life probably has been easy peasy going along and you would never know that they've had to rely and lean into God in a way that is unimaginable for me. Um, Ray, what was, you and Gene had a bit of a, you guys had a guiding verse during that time trying to come out of that, that tragedy of the death of Robin. What was, what was your guiding verse? <clears throat> well, it, it's kind of interesting because we've used it uh, uh, about a month ago in uh, some of our presentations, but it was in the book of Matthew, <clears throat> uh, chapter 6, verses 9 to 10. It's really the Our Father. Yeah, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be thy name. May your kingdom, thy kingdom come. come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is and in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. And it, it, when you go through that prayer and you really study the words as we did about a month ago, uh, you realize that... Uh, the Lord's will is going to be done, just as it is on earth as, as it is in heaven. And that's what really carried us through. And then we realized that Robin was in heaven with God. And uh, that, that was very comforting after a couple of years that we relied on that. Right. 
Well, and then you guys moved to, to Williamsburg in 2000, 2005. 2005. And you joined, uh, Steve Sandifer was the guy here. Um, he was the lead minister here before I came. Um, and, and you guys joined uh, in mission with Williamsburg, what, around 2006? And you were that part of his it. small group, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell me, what was coming out of all of that, that, that tragedy and coming to a new place and having your life change so much and, and being as passionate as you both once were in your service to the kingdom, what led you to become an elder? I mean, you went, you've been here since 2005. You joined Steve's small group. But what led you to become an elder and, and you guys to serve in the way you, you, you both have? Well, <laughs> Steve asked me if I would consider being an elder for our nomination. And at first I said uh, no, because um, when Gene and I came here, we, we said we wanted to play it low-key. We wanted to go to the services and join a Bible study and listen and not say too much and uh, just be more of a, a sponge rather than a, a giver. Well, then uh, somehow or other I ended up on the budget committee. <laughs> well, hold on, let me say. Now, see, when, when us ministers go to seminary, there, there's a class that's taught to us that says, if you ever find out a man was an elder, convince him to become one in your church. That's like really, like, you almost think that's a class that we take because you find that out and it's like, I bet Steve found out you were a shepherd and he was, hey, you want to be a shepherd? So you ended up miraculously on the budget committee, which is, which is good. But it was at a time where... The church well, really needed help. It was help. at a time where we were in a financial crisis. This was about three or four years ago. And after I got on the budget committee, then I thought, well, maybe I can help, help here a little bit. So I said to Steve that I'll, I'll reconsider and put my name on the nomination. And here I am. Yep, here you are. And I think it's interesting because, like you said, about four years ago, the church was in a significant financial crisis. And we had Clifton was chairing that effort, one of our shepherds now, and was very involved. Kathy was very involved in trying to help navigate us as a church. And it was before my time, um, but, but I say us as a church through that, through that challenge. And I think it's interesting that God raised you up. Um, that, was your, that was your gift. That was your passion. I mean, you're an engineer. You think in terms of you know, nuts and bolts, right? I mean, like ones and twos and black and white, which makes it very pleasant to work with me, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> half our eldership are engineers. I mean, y'all should pray for me. I mean, um, or really pray for them, <laughs> poor, poor guys. But, but you, had that, you had that bent, and God really, and God raised you and Gene up for a time such as this. And I think that's a story for us. I mean, you're not here because of some accident you know, some little cosmic accident, you showed up and popped out of a chair in this building at some point or happened to, happen, you know, pop by the church building and come up one Sunday morning. You're here because you bring something to the table of the Lord that is something this church family needs to, to make us more whole and to move us forward. Um, you have a gift and ability um, to bring to the table to serve God that, that can be a part of making the kingdom of God tangible through this little bitty church we call We as a Christian Church. And your story is a good example of that. I mean, you went from having all that experience and serving as a shepherd, overseeing stewardship. I mean, you even helped pay the parsonage off, I think, back at the other church you're part of. What, y'all serviced the debt in, what, four years? Yeah. Something like that. Um, and bringing that vision and that foresight and that passion in and that, that, that discipline in, and now here you are. Uh, helping our church navigate um, with our shepherds through some of the most 
um, through, through different challenging times. I mean, Ray's been an elder through the transition of ministers and staff. Ray has been a shepherd uh, through this transition of, of finances. Um, and now, you know, Ray is, is, is a part of leading us um, into servicing a debt that we've held on to for quite a while. And God raises you up uh, for, like I say, not to try and overplay the Esther statement, but for such a time as this. And I, I think that's a pretty significant Pretty significant work of God's grace and his faithfulness, not only in, in my life and in our lives, but in, but in your and Jean's life, gave you guys a second chance to serve um, in a meaningful way. But you and I, and, and if you're a part of this fellowship, you know that Jean isn't, isn't here on Sunday mornings with us anymore because she's sick. Um, and uh, it, it, it happened, and I said this for service, um, it just seemed to happen so quick. So quickly, so suddenly. Bray, why don't you tell us about that. Tell us about your journey of faith in that. But tell us, those who don't know, tell us what's happened and where is Jean and, and what's going on. Well, Jean is in a nursing home right now. <clears throat> and she's in the memory ward because she has Parkinson's disease and vascular dementia, which is uh, like Alzheimer's. And uh, this all happened very, very fast. And uh, she had a stroke back in... Uh, in the September time frame, and the stroke really uh, uh, kicked off the Parkinson's disease and really elevated all of our medical problems. So I dealt with it. Uh, we dealt with it at home uh, until uh, December, when uh, when it got very, very, uh, very bad. The situation. She went to the hospital to get more tests done, and then when. Uh, it was time to, to leave the hospital. The doctor said, you, you cannot take her home. She has to go to a skilled nursing facility. Well, this was just a, a, a tremendous shock to me because I had always taken care of Jean over the years, and we always helped each other. And uh, uh, I just uh, I didn't know where to even start. So uh, it ended up that the hospital put her in a rehab for a short period of time at, at uh, the nursing home, which gave me a little bit of time to figure out what I was going to do. Uh, but I looked at the whole thing financially and thought, Lordy, where am I going on this? Uh, I pictured myself here with Fred and the homeless and selling my home and my car and everything I own to, to take care of Jean. Uh, and uh, then, it, then at the... Uh, nursing home where she is, uh, they had a two-year waiting list uh, for anybody to go into the memory ward. And I, I thought, oh, boy, I, what am I in for? So I just went home one day, and I, I said, you know, I'm really incapable of handling this whole thing. There's only one person that can help me, and that's God. And I submitted my whole life. I thought I had submitted many years back but there's a big difference between that and when you really submit your full life to God. And I did that, and I prayed and prayed. And um, the next thing you know, they uh, told me about a elder care attorney. So I went to the elder care attorney and uh, um, figured out a way that my finances could be manageable and that could protect my home and, and uh, my assets. And then uh, 
few days later, I got a notice from the nursing home that they had a room and uh, in the memory ward. And at the same time, <clears throat> we had property in Hawaii, and I had, to, I had to liquidate that, put it up for sale, and it usually takes about a year and a half in Hawaii to sell property because it's very slow moving. But I, after prayer, I sold that, sold it in two weeks for the, for the price that, that I was asking for it. And it went through in flying colors. It, the whole thing went through real, real fast. And I, I really attribute that to total prayer and submitting my life to God. And there's no other answer. All my friends in Hawaii, when they found out some of this, they, uh, they just said, uh, this is divine intervention. There's no other way that this ever could have happened besides that. So um, that's, how, that's how I'm getting through, because my total faith in God is what's getting me through this. And, and Jean, in her way, it's, it's getting her through the care and the things that, she, that she's experiencing. She doesn't know a lot of it. But uh, she's in good hands, and she's safe, and um, she's well taken care of. I think if you, um, if you spend any time with Ray, to me the most significant part of his story is, is that idea of submission. Um, when all of this started breaking open, I mean, he just told you the financial piece, which, you know, matters because that, that plays on the emotional side of things. But to know that you weren't going to you know, be at home when Gene... I know it was very difficult, and I remember you telling me that the first thing you did when you got home from that hospital was just pray, and you prayed, and you yeah. prayed, and you prayed, and that's when you, you found that sense of submission and surrender. Yeah, just, it, <clears throat> God just brings it to you and says there's, there's really no other way. It makes you aware there's no other outlet but uh, to go to God in prayer. Yeah, you're just incapable. And uh, that uh, you're totally incapable of handling these things. And uh, it, uh, it makes me happy that I've the, that I found that out and that uh, I can pray every night to God to keep Jean safe and, and uh, have the nurses watch over her and take good care of her. Ray, did you ever, in this, in this season of life, did you ever find yourself in a place where you were questioning God? No, no I, I didn't because... Um, this all happened so fast that somehow or other I went directly to God from, from zero to God in, in two seconds. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. There was no other choice, really. Yeah. I think, I think that's the part that, that convicts me the most in, in your story, as I said. is You know, I, so many times these things happen and tragedies happen. And even in my life with, with what tragedies I've experienced, there's been, there's been giving away moments to, to anger and lament. And I think, I think those are appropriate responses. I think, I think the Psalms exist to give us ways to lament before the Lord. But there are healthy ways to lament before God and there are unhealthy ways to lament before God. I think Scripture sort of lays that out too. And, but I think ultimately the part of your story that grounds me uh, and that humbles me is, 
is you realized your incapability in this. You realized you couldn't just muster this all up on your own. It was like you had, you had insurmountable financial odds that was a stark reminder that you couldn't do this on your own, much less the fact that now your, your, your heart was, was, was different and your, your house is going to be different because Gene won't be you know, present there uh, every day and every night. And, and you needed God to, to come in. And, and um, if there's one thing I've, I've come to believe, you know, there's, there's some psalms and there's some verses in Isaiah that say that God is near the brokenhearted. You know, there's a, there's a lot of places where we sometimes don't know, quote, where God can be found, but I know where God can be found every time, and that's near a broken heart. He is always, always, always there. I think the only question for us a lot of times is, will we, um, will we meet him there? And when you met him there in prayer... That's where you found. That's where you found your strength. Yeah. And you and you've said to me, Ray, uh, you've said to me several times, even just for cups of coffee, Fred. I don't know how people get through this without God. I don't know how people yeah. get through it. Ray, what what has been a guiding verse? What has been a guiding verse for you, um, even now, in in all of this change and all of this, uh, yeah, just all of this change. Well, I think <clears throat> I think one of the guiding verses is in um, Isaiah uh, chapter forty-one, ten. Um, I, I have it right here. So, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So it's right there. If, if you believe in God, you go to Him in prayer and. He will answer our prayers, and he will take care of us. And the interesting, the interesting thing, there's, there's side effects that go along with this. Uh, as I go to the nursing home, uh, I'm not afraid to tell them that, you know, I'd never get through this without God. And the nurses and the staff uh, really welcome that, and some of the nurses... <coughs> even pray with Gene when I'm not there. So, uh, you know, the good example that you give to others, and uh, this is all about God, this is not about me, but I'm able to, to help some of the other uh, patients in, in some of the things, the eating and fellowship and things like that. So there's a, a, little, there's a lot of missionary work that goes with this, uh, that is very satisfying for me. Not only do I visit Jean and help take care of her, but I can also help some other people too. It's, it's such a beautiful part of this, this story too. Blake, I took Blake to go see Jean uh, a few weeks ago when he first got here. I wanted him to meet Jean. And we walked in and said we were here to see Jean Colesworthy. And she said, oh, you mean Ray's wife, the lady up front. And I'm like, yeah, oh, cute Ray coming in. And, and the thing is, <clears throat> the I'm thing old. is, <laughs> the thing is, is, is Ray's presence, you know, you, he took this posture of, you know, I live my life with God. I'm, I'm on, if you knew anything about our shepherds, our shepherds believe very strongly we live on mission with God. And he, you know, I'm on mission with God. I mean, you know, Gene is there and I'm going to go be there. And when I'm there, God's going to be there because I'm there and Gene's there. And as a result, Ray has shared his faith with people and um, people know who you are. And, and as a result of knowing you, I, I know that they know who God is. Patrick Sukup, one of our own here, he's an occupational therapist there. And this first service, he was shaking his head. Yeah, people know the story that Ray shares, a story of faith and trusting in God.
God and belief and how God can do that for us. And you become a missionary there. It becomes your new mission field. I mean, you even buy them things, I think. Don't you? You, you, you buy them stuff, which, I mean, if you can't win anybody over, you buy them stuff. On, on holidays, I take in a big cake and all the patients can have some and the nurses and doctors. They all enjoy that because nobody else does that. But another, another side thing, you bring up Patrick. Patrick belongs to our church here. He was in first service. I think he's not here. Uh, but he and I uh, share the value of God uh, as we go there. And uh, it washes off on some of the other nurses, especially in his group. So people see by example uh, that the Christian way of life isn't that bad after all. These guys are happy and they depend on each other. And uh, so there's a, a lot of good things that come out of it. And if you know anything about Patrick, I mean, Patrick's going through his share of um, struggle and tragedy right now, um, just as a, as a believer and as a man of, uh, of God. And Georgia, I wanted to share this story with you because I wanted us to, I don't know, I, it's one thing to preach a sermon, like I said, and even to talk about surrender and submission, but it's another thing to see it with skin on. Um, were it not for submission, were it not for submitting to God and trusting Him, um, I know you know, yeah, you wouldn't be where you are. You, yet you still selflessly serve us, and you, you're on mission with God. You share your story of faith, and and Ray, I know you to be an extraordinarily humble man, and um, that always inspires me. And and so I know you do that. I know you do this with that in mind and nothing, and nothing more than that. You just want God to be seen and known. And, and I just want to tell you thank you for sharing your story with us and um, for, for encouraging us to live out a more submitted life, a submissive life. And You know, I shared this verse in, in first service, and I feel the need to, to share it now. As I was listening to Ray's story, um, and, and we were talking through this, uh, there's this one verse that, that came to mind. It's in Matthew chapter 11. And, and the context is, Jesus is dealing with people who, they're just not getting it. They're not getting that he is who he says he is. Um, and, and they're unresponsive to all that he's doing. And I wonder sometimes how many of us come here week in and week out. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm talking to us. And we... Sing songs of praise to Jesus, we, 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 you know, and to God, and we worship Him, but we don't, we don't get who He is. You know, we don't, we don't go to Him on our knees. Um, we, don't, we don't rely on Him in the everyday ways of our life that a man like Ray forced to rely upon Him with. We, we don't trust Him completely with those things. Maybe for some of us, Christianity is just a set of beliefs that we've embraced. Uh, or maybe church is something we do because we have to come. Uh, or we feel that we need to come. And, and so we, we, we walk by Jesus like, like the people in Matthew 11, and we miss Jesus the whole time. And, and the worst part is we think we have him, but, but our lives don't look any different, and, and we're really missing him. And so Jesus comes around, and he says this to this unresponsive people. He, he says this in a, in, a, in a prayer to God, and in front of all of them. He says in verse 25, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal him. And, 
And I think what Jesus is saying ultimately is if you want to know true knowledge, if you want to know how to live in this world appropriately, you need to know Jesus. Because he's the only one who reveals true knowledge and the one who reveals true life. And then in the same breath, Jesus says this, and this is the part that I thought about more, that I feel like the Spirit of God was giving me more in light of what Ray was sharing. Jesus says this, and I can see him looking out to this crowd of tired people and unresponsive people, okay, unresponsive people. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of you, take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I think what Jesus is saying is he's saying to all of us today what he said then. If you want to know life, the kind of life you know you are wired to live, the kind of life that stands up underneath the circumstances of of brokenness and tragedy, if you want to know a life that is full of joy and peace and meaning and validation, even self-worth, if you just want to know life and life to the full, you have to know Jesus. And what Jesus is saying is knowing him looks like something. Knowing him looks like taking on his yoke. And what he means by that, I think, is submitting to him. I mean, you heard in Ray's story, I mean, Ray surrendered his life to Christ years ago, but truly learned how to submit his life to Christ in a way differently than any other time only a year ago, to where he found this deep, deep, deep relationship with God that has carried him through with joy, with peace. The only way we get that is when we come to Jesus and we take on his yoke, we submit to him. We learn from him, as Jesus said, and that's where we find rest. If you want rest, submit to Jesus. Stop wrestling with what it is you're wrestling with. Stop trying to hold on for control. Come to the place where, G- where, where Ray realized he was completely incapable to live the life he knew he needed to live in the midst of all this. So many of us are trying to control our lives. The only way we find freedom is to let go of control. It's the opposite of what we think. Think about that. No matter where you've been, no matter where you've come from, no matter what you're doing, no matter where you are, no matter what's happened to you, there is freedom in Jesus, but it comes through submission to Jesus. It doesn't come through perfection. It doesn't come through great talents. It doesn't come through having a testimony that blows people away. True life and freedom comes only through submission to Jesus. My prayer, my hope, is that in Ray's story we see that when we submit to our Jesus, he is worthy. He is so worthy of our trust. He is faithful. He is true. He can bring us through whatever life brings to us because he's the king of it. The one thing I love about Ray that Ray reminds me of, every time I literally, Ray, every time I see you, I remember I remember that Jesus is a king and he's on the throne because I look at your life. And so my prayer is that as Ray bears witness to the inbreaking kingdom of God in his life, that you and I will witness it too and that we will leave here changed because of it. If you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, and you know what that, you know if you have or if you haven't, don't leave. Don't leave today thinking you're going to find life in anything else but Jesus because he's the king of kings, he's the Lord of lords. He knows you best and he loves you most and that's never going to change. But you need to wake up to that truth to experience the fullness of life in Christ. 
there's anything we can do for you, our shepherds are going to line up here against the wall. Danny will be up here, and Ray will be over here, and Dave will be over here. We will pray for you. If you want to surrender your life to Jesus, then please come and pray. If you have surrendered, but you know you need to submit, then please come. Let Ray and let Danny, let our shepherds pray over you as we stand and we sing this song about loving God from the inside out. Let's stand and sing.